Hello, everyone. Welcome to season three of Unapologetic, a podcast dedicated to giving women of color a voice and an opportunity to share their journey with the world. My name is Kalina Bryant, and I'm the founder of Unapologetic, and I'll be your host for today. Now, here at Unapologetic, my gift to all of our guests is to have a platform where they can bring their whole self and be unapologetic about their success, their struggles, accomplishments, and more. With that, I'm so excited to introduce, introduce to you our next guest speaker, Kimberly Bryant, who is the founder and CEO of Ascend Ventures and the founder and creator of the groundbreaking, revolutionary nonprofit organization, Black Girls Code. Kimberly has also been nationally recognized as a thought leader for her work, for the opportunities that she's given to women and girls in the technology industry. And without further ado, welcome, Kimberly. So happy to have you. Thank you for having me, Kalina. It's happy to, I'm happy to be here. Yay. So let's get into it. I have been following you for years now. I think I saw you speak uh, maybe two years ago at um, a very phenomenal panel. Um, and you've just been killing it throughout the years and developing such an impactful initiative. I definitely want to kick things off by asking you, how does it feel to be a African-American female CEO? Ooh, that's that's a good question. I would say that um, there there are many sides to that question. I think, you know, today I was just reflecting on the fact that it has been a decade, literally, of this past journey that I've been on with building Black Girls Code in the nonprofit space. And I was putting together some information and, and looking at back on my experience before that and I literally was in corporate America for 20 years before I even started the nonprofit organization. So the journey has been one that has not been short. It's been long. (laughs) This journey Mm -hmm. of my career has been, you know, three decades of um, surviving, building, uh, transitioning as both a black executive and then a a black uh, woman in a CEO position. And it's been challenging. I think for me, when I I look back on it, there have definitely been many rewards. Um, But a lot of those came at a cost. It came at a cost to, you know, my sense of well-being in many ways, you know, spiritually, mentally, physically, even in terms of the toll and impact that it has taken to get through many of the challenges and and I want to say even obstacles that I experienced along my way to to create the impact that I wanted in in, in the industry and, and multiple industries actually. And so it's been rewarding, but it also hasn't come without a cost. And and, and that's the thing I always want to tell women like, hey yeah, you can do it, but be sure you understand the cost and, and you're ready for that challenge once you step into that light. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, do you know, do you think of anything that you wish you knew? Like as you're navigating this, obviously you have a gang of knowledge now through experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we call that wisdom. Yeah. But <laughs> what is some of the wisdom you wish 20 year ago Kimberly knew or even five years ago Kimberly I think, um, and especially over the last year, I really felt a lot about how many times I've talked myself out of a decision when my gut and my intuition 
told me one thing and I tried to logically um, convince myself what I was thinking, what I was seeing, what I was feeling was different than it was. Mm-hmm. And I wish I didn't in, in those instances because as I really sat back and, and thought of a lot of the decisions that I had made along my journey, um, especially professionally, there was always there was always an indicator when something perhaps wasn't just right or some individual I was interviewing for a role wasn't just right. Some partnership I was going into or collaboration wasn't just right. Always had a flag every single time. I could not think of one incident where I did not. And but instead, you know, I really did not lean into that space of being an intuition and trusting my gut and trusting my spirits to guide me to make the decision. And and I think that's perhaps because I'm an engineer and like we deal in logic and facts and data. And that's great. But I think that also the power and especially one of these powers I think that women have innately of intuition, you know, that's more of a, a yin um, power, if you will. We've mm-hmm. always been told, like, yeah, no, that's that's not real. That's not important. That's not what you need to lean into as a business person. And I find that to be just the opposite. I think it's okay to lean into that yang energy that that is active and is about getting results and getting data and get facts. But we also have that yin energy for a reason. <laughs> that's called balance. And I think being able to tap into that innate balance as a woman. Um, is something that's a superpower for us. And and it's something that I hope and I consistently pray on a daily basis that I, I never overlook that again, that I mm-hmm. lean into my gut and my intuition and my intuitive skills and I use them as much as I possibly can on a daily basis. And I practice them so that I build that muscle um, so that it becomes innate to me. Mm-hmm. I like how you look at things as a muscle and also you know, just giving credit that it is a superpower and your intuition, you know, we need to trust it a bit more. Um, Mm -hmm. How did you, how did you change that narrative, right? Even being taught so many times that, oh, that's just in your head, you know, what was the threshold where you finally said, no, I'm going to consciously start thinking and listening to that tiny voice in my head, because when I don't, it gets me into trouble. Yeah. Well, for me, I want to say, you know, to be quite honest, it was the hard lessons and the hard knocks that I experienced when I didn't listen to that. So that was first. But then I I tangibly went on this journey, you know, this this, if you will, spiritual journey last year, like and it was an iteration of events. So in the first part of last year, Q1, around about April, I went on this trip with this cohort of change agents and leaders that are doing things in in the world. Um, And we went on this trip to Mexico and we went on a hike in in the forest in Mexico. And I had this experience of like being in the midst of battle, if you will, and thinking I was okay, but actually having this little mini mental breakdown and realizing, ooh, like I thought I had gotten past um, this challenge and, you know, clearly on the path, but it, I was still suppressing a lot of emotions. And so that kind of started me on this path of healing, if you will, and saying, okay, 
you experience this trauma, but you can move past it. And I, I didn't maybe know the exact path to get there um, at the at that point, but it was the first bit of like um, kind of like taking a Band-Aid off. Like I, I had experienced something traumatic and covered it up with a lot of, you know, gauze and Band-Aid, but like, um, and that was okay, but I really wasn't. So just taking the Band-Aid off to let the wound get some air if you will, where where healing can actually begin. And that is when I really started to come into myself and understand, okay, I am here on this earth to do a a work and mission. And and it's not that I'm only here to do one thing. You know, the journey is to create change in the world, especially change that positively impacts Black communities uh, with a focus on Black women and girls. And um, my Things that I've done and passed only one piece of that puzzle. I still have work to do. And then at the latter part of the year, in Q4, literally, I went on another trip with the same cohort and we went to Egypt. And that was really what encapsulated what I feel like is a, a, as a rebirth and total transformation for me. So we're in Egypt for two weeks. We're going up and down the Nile, visiting, visiting all these places. And the trip was on focusing on feminine powers. That was literally the theme of the trip, you know. And so we had lots of deep conversations about feminine energy, feminine power. And we got into this conversation about the yin and the yang and how we need to have both to be balanced as leaders. And one is considered to be more feminine when you think of yin energy and and yang is considered to be more masculine or you think of Yang energy, but to be the best leaders that we can, we have we need to have both. We need to recognize that we have both. And I recognize, and I had like a light bulb moment one night on the, the boat that we were on. I was like, yeah, like I've spent a lot of my career really leaning into my yang energy. Like that, that, that is comes natural to me. Like I'm a person that like likes to change things, like to get things done. I, I have this very active yang energy. Not that that is always received positively when it shows up on a woman. It usually isn't. (laughs) It's not seen as positive. I was like, yeah. I was like, but, and I recognize that. And I'm like, but yeah, I can also be powerful and create the change in our world by leaning into my yin energy, leaning into that flow state, if you will, where I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to control all the things. I can move with intuition and the spiritual powers, if you will, of knowing and and a greater dependence on letting the universe lead and, and letting others also take on some of that control and still accomplish my goals. Um, it's not that that energy and that piece of me that wants to get things done is bad. It's just understanding that to be in better balance, I need both and I need to cultivate both actively. And so that, you know, really, as I said, I, I consider that trip to each of anyone who asked me, I was like, yeah, that was transformational for me. It was a rebirth and understanding like who I am, what I'm called on this earth to do. And how I can embrace all the pieces of myself to bring those things into actualization, because that's that's my journey. And, and I'm I'm willing to go through this period of growth and retransformation to to fulfill you know my final destiny here. Mm, I like that. And I think the key words that you use is balance. 
right? Like sometimes mm-hmm. I think as a woman of color, even just as a female, we don't know the the consciousness of being balanced and how that can either positively affect you or if you're not balanced, how it can negatively affect you. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that we don't really, as founders and leaders, we don't often spend enough time because we're about doing and creating, right? We don't often spend enough time internally looking within ourselves in, in terms of how we do the work, not just what we do. And I think that takes some like slowing it, everything down um, to really look internal to yourself and then figure out, okay, this is what I want to achieve and this is how I want to do it. And this is what I maybe need to change within myself to make both of those things come together in alignment. Hmm. Now you mentioned yin and yang. I've never had it used in the way that you've defined it. I think is actually a nice way to understand, especially Black women. Um, I know that there's been tons of articles, right? And there's tons of talks and surveys of how the, the Black woman is identified as the aggressive one, the, you know, mm-hmm. very loud one. The list goes on, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I, sometimes I think when they create these lists, they might not have a Black woman in the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, you know, for the listeners out there, I want to kind of tackle that, especially leveraging your yin and yang methodology we are trained to be executors and to be perfect, you know, and we are trained to have a hard, hard shell. You know, I think mm-hmm. growing up and I can only talk from experience and I know you as well, but we go in with our guns ready. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's always a battlefield for us because we think that we have to prove, which we do have to prove ourselves and we don't have much room to mess up. And so right. if, It's almost like if you're in a video game and you know you have three lives, like it's okay if you you die the first time. But if you are navigating Mm -hmm. the industry, your work world, you know, whatever it might be, a founder, you're getting your first job, whatever it might be, you feel as though I can't mess up. And so since Mm -hmm. you can't mess up, you are always with the yang, you know, like you're always just you go to sleep, never really resting. Mm -hmm. You wake up, you know, just just trying to execute. And I think what you have done well is focus on. The yin, and I'm not sure if it's because you were able to take the the trip to Egypt where you sat down and said, yes, I, I need to develop this and, you know, have balance. But for the listeners out there that is experiencing this, or even if you haven't experienced it, you, you at some point, we, if you're a person of color, especially a woman, it's going to happen. Right. What advice do you have for these women, in particular, Black women that are ambitious, how do they navigate and balance the yang and the yin, or in this case, the ambition and the loudness and, you know, like courage and still balance it with being approachable and navigating? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think I would say from the perspective of a few things, but I would say that you first have to start with a very strong belief in yourself, you know, that self-efficacy, if you will. Like that's something that we were always trying to instill within girls, within Black Girls Code, but I think it's just as important for us as fully framed adults. Like understanding the power that you have, the innate talents and abilities that you have um, innately or those that you have cultivated because those are important as well and they're valuable. And some of those are divine gifts that 
you know, the creator, whatever you believe in, they, they gave to you, whatever your thesis of creation is. Those are things that only you have. And we're all uniquely, you know, put together that we all bring something special to the table. I think you say that in, in your podcast, like we all have space to be our best fully framed self. And uh, no one can take that away. And so I think for me in, in uh, this period of re- recognizing who I was as a leader and, and what I had done already and what I was capable of, I had to remind myself of that um, because people will try to take that away from you. And I, I you know, often like go back and forth many times to this quote that I kind of stumbled on in the midst of going through challenges professionally by Bell Hooks. And it's like, Sometimes people try to destroy you precisely because they recognize your power, not because they don't see it, um, but because they see it and they don't want it to exist. And so I meditated on that the first time I saw it. I, I keep it close. I continue to go back to it because it's a reminder that um, it's not always you. Sometimes it's them. <laughs> and so like you can own the falls and you know, the the areas for improvement that you have internally and develop those. But those flaws are just as important as the areas where are your strengths, you know, and recognizing them, all of those pieces make you who you are. And, and just being able to push through negative criticisms and even failures, if you will, if you want to call them that, uh, because that's part of life as well. And those failures help you to grow and become a better um, leader, a better CEO, a better mom, a better whatever it is that's your aspiration. Those failures are just as important a part of the, of the journey. And so for me, just looking at um, all of the pieces of myself, you know, the yang, I'm not trying to get rid of my yang energy because my yang energy helped me create Black Girls Code from nothing. And I do mean nothing. And we didn't have a dime. Had my 401k. That That's it. Um, but also I recognize that the power that I have, you know, that comes from that intuition, that flow, being able to tap into those, those, I don't even want to call them softer skills, those different, more intuitive, more spiritual skills are just as important uh, making me the leader that I am, that is concerned about the issues that I am, that is tapped in and connected to the community the way I am. All of those are important. They're just as powerful. And I'm going to accept all of those pieces of me and use that for my greater good. That is powerful. Um, I feel like you need to have a playbook. (laughs) 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 <laughs> for us to navigate this because, you know, you, you said something that stood out to me where you're not going to get rid of the yang. And I mm-hmm. think that many people, especially in corporate America, we try to bury the yang, you know, like if someone mm-hmm. gives you your first negative feedback or someone. And, and also, I love what you said that sometimes it's not you, it's them. I think that we need to hear that more often because as mm-hmm. perfectionists, as women, you know, as anyone that is ambitious, trying to make it to new heights, whatever that might be, the first time you hear negative feedback, it's like a rock has like dropped on you. Right. And right. trying to pick yourself back up and then have all of these doubts. You know, I think yeah, for black women, we're so confident. But the moment you like hit us the wrong way, it's like it takes a while to just like <laughs> that first hit is almost right. fo- football. When you get that first hit, you're like, wait, do yeah. I keep running? Do I get back up? Um, 
And so that's why I think doing this playbook of having the, the balance of the, the yang and the yin is needed because as you mentioned, you're going to constantly reach new heights. And it's like mm-hmm. you, you know, all the way from you becoming an engineer to now, you know, running a nonprofit, founding a nonprofit to now being a CEO and running venture capital. That's that's mm-hmm. three different worlds. Right. And it's like three different right. lifetimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like that is amazing. Like if the, if you wrote a book just outlining your credentials, that is groundbreaking. But having the balance to know when to take a break and when to check yourself and when to come back is even more important so you can keep achieving. Yes. So that, that brings up something that I was sharing with um, someone that used to be uh, one of my um, team members that's gone off to work at several um, high tech companies and organizations and is in, in the midst of a career change. And she was asking me for a connection and um, an intro, which I did. But as I was talking to her, I was like, well, hey, like, do you have to jump back in the fray like right now? Or do you have space to take some time to just rest? Because, you know, rest is revolutionary. Like rest is important. Rest allows you to align and understand before you make this next jump. What is it that brings me joy and fulfillment? Like, do you have time to do that? You know, because if you don't, I understand it. Okay, then go. But if you do, like, I want to highly encourage you to sit still for a minute. Um, You know, don't feel the pressure. And I think as Black women, this was a Black woman, a young Black woman. And I think as a woman, um, but certainly as a Black woman who have been, you know, really ambitious in our careers, like you say, we think we have to go, 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 go. And we can't take that time to rest. And I know that's a privilege. Everybody doesn't get that privilege. But if you have it, uh, the value of it is is immeasurable, immeasurable. So like for me, that was all last year. That was 2022. Now, I was in the midst uh, of some stuff in 2022, but I was still not, you know, heads down and running an organization and heads down and building and scaling, which I have been doing for the last 11 years. And that gave me space. That gave me space to pause, space to sit, space to just listen like to, to what the universe wanted to, to tell me, what my heart and my mind wanted to tell me and, and how to move and to really understand, okay, when I have this call and I'm doing X, Y, Z, I'm drained after it. And yeah, I want to do that. Or like this person, I'm meeting with them, but oh my God, like I just want to get into bed when I come home. It allowed me to really sit and and recognize all of those triggers. And that's how I recognize it. Listen, one thing I love is I love mentoring. I loved mentoring girls within my nonprofit organization. I, I love mentoring young women. I love mentoring since my baby sister was you know, in middle school and I would go to her classroom to do engineering experiments. Like, I love that. Loved it with my daughter when I was mentoring her uh, robotics class. I love mentoring. And I also love mentoring when it comes to founders. And I did a lot of that last year with both, um, you know, formally as formal advisors, but also informal advisors. I did a lot and I loved it. And I could talk to founders all day long 
and I'm energized at the end of the day and I'm not drained. And I was like, yeah, I really love this. And I want to do more though. Like that allowed me space to say, well, yeah, I want to do more than just give advice. I want to write a check. <laughs> like I want to be able to help them build, you know, like tangibly build, not just mm-hmm. give advice. Um, but I love that. But I also want to be able to tangibly help them to build and, and help them make their dreams come true a reality. And so if I had not had time to take that space to kind of just sit, not just jump into something new, not just, you know, keep going, going, going. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to see like really what makes me happy and what I want to spend my time and my talents and my energy on for this next decade. Mm -hmm. And so the concept of rest in a very active way, in a very intentional way, is something that I highly recommend. It's something that we have to carve out space to do as leaders Uh, But I would just say we have to carve out space to do that even as human beings because it's something that we need. Mm -hmm. And reflection is a key component. If you can't reflect on where you've Mm -hmm. been, how do you know where you're going to go? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I want to pivot into this founding, you know, the VC. That is groundbreaking. You know, first off, I'd like for you to talk to the audience about what what is VC? Like, I I understand venture capital, but for our audience out here, why is that so impactful for, let's say, in the tech world? Um, and mm-hmm. two, why is it so important as a woman of color that is actually founding the VC? Why is that impactful for the next upcoming founders? Yeah, so I, I would say that I always talk about this fourth industrial revolution, if you will, that we are embarking on, I think. And there's certainly going to be major immersive um, technologies that um, come into our ecosystem, both in not just in the technology industry, but in every industry, I think, over the next several decades. So the importance of having founders at the table and creators at the table that have a diverse perspective is very important. So, I mean, Every company and every industry that I can think of will utilize some technology. When we look at things that are happening now around artificial intelligence everywhere, I think now that is coming to the masses with things like chat GPT, we're seeing like, oh, yeah, this is going to be an everyday tool when we see how artificial intelligence is impacting um scanning in the airport, going here, getting drops, like like it's everywhere. And so I think it's really important that we have founders in this space and all industries that are utilizing technology that look like the people we, those technologies serve or those technologies most uh, greatest impact is is on. And that's people that look, look like you and me. And I think when we look at the tech industry, the reason I even started at Black Girls Co. was because I did not see diversity and equity within the industry. I didn't see many people of color. Or I saw even less Black women. You know, So we're looking at less than 3% of Black women that are actively employed within the tech industry. But that trickles down you know, to those companies when you look at who is starting and leading those companies and how they get to create those companies it comes to access to capital. So that's sort of where venture capital comes in. You know, when you think of the early days of venture capital, those were the days when it was truly Silicon Valley, when people were down in the valley creating, you know, just the solid state chips and such. And these long-term legacy um, venture capital firms were funding those early founders. Well, unfortunately, they didn't fund a lot of women 
and even the women that were early in the industry that I have met along my journey lately say like, yeah, well, I, you know, I was, you know, building a company with Elon Musk or the guys at Microsoft, but, you know, and I was a woman, one of the few women on the team and they all went and started all these other companies and venture capital firms, but even I couldn't get on a cap table or I couldn't get in the investment room and I was there. So imagine what it is for people that come from other more marginalized communities. And I think that's the issue that I see right now is that there are very few founders that look like me getting an opportunity to have the support they need to be a venture venture capitable ready company. They're not either not getting an interview, they're not getting a foot in the door, or they get to pitch to one of the legacy VCs or one of the new VC firms, and they're told the company is not a fit. It doesn't hit. It doesn't meet the thesis. It doesn't. It's not scalable. They're given various excuses or not, and we only get about one percent, um, a small, less than one percent of the venture capital dollars that are flowing through the industry each year. And so I want to disrupt that. And I was talking to someone about this who is in the field and, and has as a woman who's been in a venture capital field for a while. And I was like, yeah, I consider myself a disruptor. And that is what brought me to my work in the nonprofit space and tech yet. That's also what's bringing me into the venture space is that I want to be able to not only disrupt the venture capital uh, model by finding unique and novel ways to deploy funds, But I want to be able to write checks to founders that look like me, come from similar communities as I do and have ideas. You know, we've always said in tech, you know, that opportunity is not equally distributed, but talent is. That is something that was like the foundational pillar of all of this work that we were doing and teaching folks to get into tech. But I see that same thing as relevant to venture capital and building businesses like Talent is everywhere. What's not everywhere is the opportunity to take those ideas and those creative visions that you have and and create something that's a tangible, sustainable and scalable company. And so I think I've heard from a lot of folks, you know, for me that like, yeah, you have a really unique background and perspective, just like you said, like came from corporate America, engineer, and I worked in all these industries. Then I went into tech ed and and the nonprofit space. And now I think this is the next iteration for me is not only just being a founder, but finding a ways to build a table for other founders, to help founders to create, to give them both advice, to give them mentorship, but also to give them the tangible resources needed to build the companies that I'm hoping to see in the future. That is, well, first off, thank you. We need you more like you, <laughs> uh-huh. but you know I think I think it's needed, right? Um, I think along your journey, as you were reflecting, um, it was really nice to see you come up with a new evolution of what you can do to continue to impact. And one thing that I commend you on is, regardless of you know the ups and downs, and like you know being stuck in a situation where you're like, how can this happen to me, right? Like, mm-hmm. how, how can, you know, a lot of the times we feel that way, right? When someone in, you know, just basic normal terms does you dirty or, you know, doesn't mm-hmm. give you the the credit that you deserve or take something from you or whatever it might be, you know, it's, a, it's very easy to sit in that pain and it's very right. easy to just only replay it over and over. But one thing that I commend you on is, 
taking it, but then understanding, okay, what, what am I going to do next? You know, yeah. and not getting stuck. I think that so many people, especially if you're going to be in corporate America, you know, you got to put your big girl pants on because it's not mm-hmm. always rainbows and sunshine. Right. Um, and, and even if it's sold to you as rainbows and sunshine, you, you have to have, that's where the yang comes back in, right? You have to have tough skin. You have to have a sharp enough mind, um, in order to keep pushing and navigate. Um, and also I think that we live in a world where we talk a lot about inclusion and diversity and equity. These are buzzwords, right? We all would love a, yeah. a better world, but are we willing to put the work in to get that world? And I think Absolutely. what you're doing, yeah, it's, you know, what you're doing, you're taking the first step on saying, okay, if I'm knocking on the doors, how about I create my own door is what I see. Right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, for me, the lesson learned is that, you know, I'm, I'm very attuned to the fact that there was some lessons I needed to learn through what I experienced um, with, within my nonprofit journey. And for me, my prayer has been since all of this would happen, it's like, Lord, let me learn the journey now because I don't ever want to repeat this again. <laughs> so like, let's keep it real. Like it was hard. It is hard. And I never want to repeat that again, nor do I ever want to um, see someone else repeat that, you know, and have that same experience. But unfortunately, you know, over the last year, there were so many women um, in the nonprofit space, but also some in, in corporate, but like in the nonprofit space a lot, like there's a lot of things that are broken around governance and such. And I had so many women come to me that had experiences similar to mine. They were not as public with those experiences for various uh, reasons, but there were so many incidents. So I recognized that I was not alone, you know, in having some of these experiences. Um, but I, I learned that there was a differentiator to your point. There were those who had gone through these experiences, be they traumatic, and they were able to transcend and move forward. You know, they went through the situation and they moved forward. But there were also some that went through the situation, but you could see in the conversations that there was still so much pain and baggage that they were carrying. Um both pain and baggage and anger towards the folks that they, you know, had this experience with, but also like that actually impacted them as well. And and one of the things I had just been really determined to do, and, and as someone, a friend of mine said, it's like, yeah, you can go through the trauma, but don't let the experience become muscle memory. And when she told me that it was like, ah, like light bulb, like don't let it become mm. muscle memory. And I was like, yeah, like I, want to experience both failures and successes along my journey and because we're all going to get those but I want to see those things at an equal playing level like the less the failures and the successes that I want to see them in the same frame Mm -hmm. and I don't want the failures if you will to impact me so that it becomes the trauma becomes muscle memory and and it packs my way to move forward and get to the next success And so I I really pray that for any woman that's in a role of leadership, you know, whether they're in the CEO start or not, like you have to be able to go through the challenges and the obstacles, learn from them, but keep going, like push through whatever you have to do. Give yourself the grace, give the grace to others. If you're you're so inclined, I I think I still got a lot of work to do on that part, (laughs) but um, (laughs) But definitely give it to yourself and, and, and learn from these mistakes um, so that you can push through to the fact where 
you know, to get back on your path. You know, mm-hmm. it just a little bit of knock off your path. Getting back on your path is what's important and not carrying that baggage, you know, in your next endeavor. Mm-hmm. I think that that's important. And what I hear you say is, you know, as you're on your path, I also see that there's no timeline either on the path. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's a challenging thing, especially for women of color. You know, I'm guilty of this myself. I always had this timeline of where I thought I should be all the time. And it seems like I was hitting those goals, but it was just never enough, never enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. For our listeners out there, what advice do you have to them you know, we have all these ambitious dreams and goals. How do we not put the stress on ourselves um, by looking at, hey, mm. do we not have enough time? I think that how do we change that methodology and that that framework to say we have plenty of time, but just be, you know, uh, strategic on what we're going after and and be OK with the path of failure, success and, and trusting it as a journey. Yeah, I think, you know, I would say that. um you know, as I shared before, like when I started my nonprofit, I had already been in corporate America for over 20 years. So like this, in today's career frame of reference, that's like two, two lifetimes. <laughs> when you look at, you know, how long most, you know, career professionals stay in those roles. I'm like, that's two lifetimes. And then I start another one and now I'm to get another one. And I think for me and what I have learned over the last 30 years, but what I also think that it's a good piece of advice for women is that we have to figure out how to play the long game, right? Mm-hmm. We've got to build for sustainability, both in our careers as well as in our companies. So I think even in everything that I've done in the past, you know, I'm looking at it in these at least a 10 year block. And I know that's mm-hmm. like, oh, the people, the young people don't want to hear that. But like, yeah, your career is like, <laughs> at least take you 10 years. Like, I'm just going to keep it real. It's going to take you 10 years to build up a certain, and whatever it is that you're focusing on, it's going to take you that much to bring, to build to a certain level of expertise. Now, I'm not saying you go to one company and you stay with that for, 10 years before you go to another. But no, like if you're going into um, artificial intelligence industry and you're trying to learn or, you know, film industry, you're trying to learn, like you, you can move to different organizations or the game development industry, whatever it is. But you want to at least give yourself, to me, this is my perspective, 10 years. It's going to take you 10 years to develop to a certain level of expertise that you can make an impact Mm-hmm. in this field and leave your mark. So you are building for the long game. You're building for sustainability, not only to create change in, in this initiative, your work, et cetera, the company, the organization, but also yourself. It don't take you 10 years. It took me absolutely 10 years to even learn like what the nonprofit organization was even about, it probably took another three, four years within that to like, okay, um, I'm right here. I'm on the, I'm on the bike now. I'm able to pedal and drive. And then it probably another three years to say, okay, I'm pedaling and driving this bike or riding this bike up to this hill now and getting us to a place where we can, you know, experience, you know, hyper growth. Mm-hmm. And that's 10 years. So like in that in that period of time, I was also learning and building skill sets, building the muscle, building knowledge and expertise so that now when I'm ready to pivot to something else, 
I actually have people tapping me like, hey, like, what are you going to do next? Like, have you thought about this? And like, yeah, we need your expertise. Or you're the only one that had, not the only one, but you're one of the rare people that has this diverse perspective from for-profit, for-profit. And um, that took 10 years, right, for people to to develop enough, I want to say, visibility in mm-hmm. the space that, that I was in for people to recognize me as a subject matter expert mm-hmm. and something, somebody that's worthy, that's, you know, to come, not even worthy, it's not, that's valuable mm-hmm. to really making a move and pivoting in, in a totally different field and being able to be successful in it. And so I think building and looking at it as a long game that may have pivots along the way is the way that we kind of give ourselves space to not stress ourselves out because we're not at a certain milestone by a certain time, but we're also learning and growing and developing all of these immediate, those, these incredible skills along the way. So that all of that comes back to play mm-hmm. in your next move, every bit of it. And it's, it's, it's worth it to take our time. Mm-hmm. I like that. And thanks for ending what is worth it to take your time. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of the times, you know, we want popcorn success. We want it to be right away. And I think that it's mm-hmm. important to know that, you know, it's a journey and it takes time. But with that, I want to, you know, end with as people are navigating, whether it be the tech world, nonprofit world, just basic corporate America, or taking a leap in developing their own, you know, VCs. What's your mm-hmm. last advice on the mic? If this was your playbook and you wanted to give people three to five things, what would that be? Yeah, I think we talked about a few things. And I, and I think, you know, if I was to leave on a few things, I would I would probably double down on a few of them. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say starting out, you know, rest is revolutionary. I think, you know, we have to give our space to sit in the quiet and listen, you know, to that internal voice or the mm-hmm. voice of the universe, whatever it is, uh, that get where insight and the strength and the power to keep moving our day to day comes from. Mm-hmm. But I would take it even a little bit step further and say, not only is rest revolutionary, I think rest is leadership. So us being able to lean, and I heard this from a friend of mine, um, Mark Brand, and he was like, rest is leadership. And I was like, you right, brother. Like, because if we're not the models, you know, what are we? So rest is leadership. And us being able to lean into rest makes us better as leaders uh, for our teams and for the communities that we serve. I would say um, next, you know, really be intentional about creating within your organization that you're building a values-driven culture. And then you hire people that, have values that match those. I think very early on when I was starting Black Girls Code, you know, I was just trying to put the wheels on the bus while we were building and driving this bus. And I didn't really put a lot of focus on like thinking about the culture that I wanted to be a part of the organization, you know, 10 years plus down the line. And that caused me some slips up slip ups along the way because I didn't always hire accordingly. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, like really if and I don't even want to say if I do it again, as I start this journey of building again, it's like I want to be very intentional from the beginning about um outlining what the core values are, the organizations that I'm building and being making sure that I 
bring folks onto my team that are in line with those values, those core values. Mm. And, and I think that's the way to have a more cohesive uh, organizational culture that's really rooted in these values um, that shape the culture and define it. Um, we already talked about, you know, this, this third one is trust your gut and lean into the intuition. I think as leaders, we have to be balanced. You know, we have to balance the yin and the yang. But I want to say that trusting your gut is the way that the best leaders, you know, lean into decision making on a day to day basis. So learning to trust your gut, I think it's important um, that that's that little voice that tells you, you know, you're on the right path. So learning to embrace it as a part of your superpowers. And then I would say, you know, last but not least, uh, take some leaps of faith, even if you don't know all the answers. And is it going to be scary? Yes. (laughs) So for (laughs) me, like, I'm keep it completely real. Um, It's scary. Change is scary. It's very scary. But I Mm -hmm. think... You know, as as you said, like as women, we think we have to have all the answers. We have dotted all the T's because we can't make a mistake and we have to be perfect. But I think um, embracing taking the leap of faith will maybe help let you land in some places you weren't expecting um, that, you know, I think we could actually exceed. You know, I think we have these small dreams and God dreams bigger. So taking those leaps of faith and just mm-hmm. jumping. Is how you land in a place that, you know, probably could surpass, you know, your wildest expectations. Yeah. And then I would say last but least, uh, I thought that was the last one. Embrace your vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think in, in this past year, like being very vulnerable and transparent about what I was going through, um, I was surprised at how much it empower others so like Mm -hmm. I think for me it was just like I'm going to be completely open I'm going to use my platform you know to be transparent and share my truth and by doing that it it freed others so like Mm -hmm. set yourself free so you may set others free like I I know somebody said that or I heard it somewhere (laughs) but it's true like it was me sharing my truth and like really embracing being vulnerable Mm-hmm. At probably one of the lowest times in my life, but it was that vulnerability that I continually, like daily, weekly get emails or texts or calls or DMs from others and say, thank you. You know, thank you for sharing your voice and your experience helped me or your experience made me see I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. So that was not only good for me, it was good for so many others. And so I think, you know, like, learning how to be more voluble, vulnerable in our walks as leaders is one of the best things we can ever do for each other mm-hmm. as well as for ourselves. And I must say, out of all that, you are glowing, so it must be working. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's sometimes, you know, oh. you can, we all know, like, you know when you're doing good and you also know when you're not doing good. It seems like nothing is right. Yeah. Like, it's all on the face, but I would say, like, it, your lessons must have worked because you are glowing very nicely. So oh, I think thank you. It's that a people process, should take that. I'm in a good space. <laughs> Look, build is going to build. And anytime, you know, for me, get to a space where I'm in creative mode, I just when I think I'm the most unstoppable. And so That's I appreciate it. that. 
Creative mode is the most unstoppable. I like that. And builders are going to build. We might need to make some t-shirts on that. Builders are going to build. All right. (laughs) I like that. Well, before we close out, Miss Kimberly, how can people find you and how can they be a part of your new journey? Yes. So by the time this airs, I think that I will certainly have announced, uh, fully announced to public Ascend Ventures and all that we hope to build under the Ascend Ventures banner. So they can reach out to me at ascendventures.tech mm-hmm. and see a lot of what we're building, both with the, the Seed Stage Fund, as well as with the Black Innovation Lab and the other initiatives that we hope to do. Reach out to me there. You can always find me on social medias. I'm six gems at almost every place. <laughs> so you can definitely <laughs> find me on Twitter and Instagram and all the places under um, my personal banner, Six Gems or the Ascendco, or reach out to me online on LinkedIn. Perfect. All right, y'all. With that being said, thank you, Kimberly. And as we close out, I want to remind the audience there is enough space for us all to be successful. And especially on Unapologetic, it is my heart and soul to make sure that women of color are given an opportunity to be unapologetically themselves as they navigate. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe. Thank you.